Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Hey, over the next few minutes, I want to speak to you from this idea. Pull out some notes. Grab your smartphone, your dumb phone. I want you to write this down as a, as a subject, as a title of this message. Rooted in identity. Rooted in identity. Oh God, we love you and we thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather together, albeit online. Um, Father, I thank you for the amazing privilege that we have, Lord, to be able to have technology um, and have all this equipment, Lord God, and these individuals, Lord, to be able to help. Um, Father, we pray right now that regardless of our frailties, um, regardless of whatever internet signal, whatever quality of video shows up on Facebook or YouTube or church online platform, I pray that all of these things, Lord, that are not perfect would not hinder you who are. And I pray, Father, that you would speak to the hearts, that you would activate us, Lord God. Increase our spiritual authority, Lord God. Let us be rooted in our identity, Lord God, in our identity. Let us expound, Lord God, in the things that you want for us, Lord God. Let this intimacy that we have with you grow and activate us in faith, Lord. Father, we exalt you and we thank you. Speak to us today, Lord God. Teach us from your word, Lord. Father, we love you and we thank you. It's in your beautiful name that we pray, Lord God. Amen and amen. Man, come on, if you're expecting for God to share a word with you, would you throw a fire emoji in there? I like the fire emojis. Throw some fire emojis in that chat. Amen and amen. Hey, uh, I've been very vocal about how Ramses and Levi are growing. And they're here with me, you know, they're healthy, you know, praise God. And these boys will eat you out of house and home. For those friends who have uh, invited us over, you've seen how they've eaten as men. Um, today, after this service, we will probably go grab something to eat. And they don't eat from the kids' menu. They eat from the grown man menu. These kids eat everything that's in the refrigerator. Especially during summer and the times where the teachers decide that they're not supposed to be in school and all these breaks that we have as parents, fall break, winter break, break because I'm tired, all of these breaks where they allow for the kids to be there, these are times that we have to buckle up. I gotta go cut grass, I gotta bag groceries because I know that I need to go buy more groceries because these kids are gonna eat us out of house and home. Here's what's funny about it. They could walk into the house and be playing outside basketball. They got into lacrosse last year. They're going to be playing basketball and football this year. But they, they can actually play sports and come into the house. And they're famished. They're hungry. They open the refrigerator up and they grab stuff. Lydia the other day bought some chocolate pretzels, I think it was. Peanut butter filled chocolate pretzels. Healthy. Praise the Lord. She bought these things. And when she went to go open them to go eat them, they were about halfway gone. Because Ramses and Levi, they decide whenever they're bored, they're just going to eat. It's just, it's just a pastime. Let's just eat everything in the house. It doesn't matter because we don't pay rent and we don't pay for any of the food. I'm sorry, this is therapy for me. <laughs> These kids eat everything. They're allowed to. They're my children. I work for them. They, my wife works for them. We make sure that they have what they need and, you know, so that they can eat. Not as much. Um, just thought I'd do that in there. But they can eat. What's funny, though, is that when they bring friends over to the house or if people come to visit, they don't feel like they have that very same authority. 
Like they can't just walk into the refrigerator and grab the food. Like Ramses and Levi can do that. But when their friends come over, they're kind of timid and they're like, hey, sir, I'm sorry. Can we get something to eat or can we get something to drink? Or, hey, can I get this or can I get that? Maybe their cousins will come visit over and they don't have that same. They don't feel like they have that same deal, which our house is open. Um, Nunzi comes in and takes all our food, too. Praise the Lord, because we love her. But the, we, we have an open door policy. Sometimes I remember when we first planted the church. We need to go back to this. Yo, Evan, I remember when we first planted the church. I would walk downstairs, bro, in the morning and people would be sleeping in my house. Like, I mean, our house was filled every single day. Every day people were at the house. We would show up and we were just like, oh, okay, praise God. I don't think we've ever had a time where somebody hasn't lived with us that isn't uh, like our close family. Our house has always had individuals and people during the pandemic. It's been a little wonky, but man, I can't wait to bring people back and all of that stuff. But what I want to show you is this. People walk into my house and they don't have the same, they don't feel the same about opening the refrigerator up and grabbing something to eat the way that my boys do. They don't even think about it. You know what's crazy is that that's the exact same way that we treat God. We think when we get saved, we have this relationship with God where we don't feel like we're his children, like we really can't access the things that children can access. When in reality, yo, God has created not just pastors, people with authority, the prophet, the pastor, the apostle, the evangelist. Know that God has actually given you an access that you may enter into his throne of grace boldly that me and you we have access to God but nine times out of ten we begin to treat God as if he's somebody else's father when in reality he's he's our father you, you have access to open up the fridge but what happens though is that our identity is thwarted we begin to think that we are what the world has conformed us to be and we tend not to realize that we are children of the most high guy of the most high God Here's what happens when it comes to spiritual authority, the very authority that God puts inside of you to be able to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to operate in the gifts of the spirit, to watch the supernatural bend and move at your faith. It's always dependent on number one, you being rooted in your identity. If you're not rooted in your identity, then you're not going to know that you have access to these things. And Satan is always going to trick you. Romans chapter 12, verse two, it says, do not be conformed. See, the world has a way of putting you in this box, of making you into this person that you're really not. Usually that happens at an early age. There, there's trauma that happens to you. There's pain that happens to you. It, it's always and almost always in the most harmful, in the most hurtful, tragic moment of your life that that is where your identity is forged. That is where you begin to make up who you are because you begin to put up these walls and it usually happens when we're younger because we don't know how to process these things and so we put up these walls and we put up these mechanisms and we begin to believe these lies and this person is going to do that so that that doesn't happen, I'm never gonna speak up in class again or I'm not gonna say this to my mom and dad anymore or I'm not gonna do this because that's the reason why mom and dad split up it was because of me and when you're young you start to take on these false identities that God never created you with but because of the trauma the things that have happened to you all of a sudden now you begin to walk in those things and Satan understands that not only does he understand that but he sees it and when he sees it he begins to feed you with lies and there's three typical lies that I think all of us believe in. Once we adopt this identity, we grow up, right? You become an adult 
And the things that happened to you when you were young, they begin to show up again when you're older. Sometimes God will even bring a similar like trauma to be able to remind you, hey, you didn't deal with this. You didn't allow me access into there to be able to help and to deal with this thing. And sometimes that'll happen and then you blow up and you have one or two options. Number one, you go around Mount Sinai another 40 years or you find yourself in a place where you have to deal with it and you have to face the trauma and the things that are happening to you at that very moment. And what happens is this. If you don't deal with it, if you go back around the mountain, if you go back around the desert and you find yourself still struggling with the same things, you're always going to find yourself in one of these three lies, or if I'm honest with you, in every single one of these three lies. Number one, you, you begin to become a people pleaser. Like you just got to make sure that everybody's good. The party, you're the one that's, you're Martha. You're cleaning everything. You're at your job. You're the one that's making sure everybody's good. As long as everybody's good, I'm good. Nobody's going to get mad at me. Nobody's going to reject me. Nobody's going to hate me. As long as everybody's good and I'm pleasing everybody and to your own detriment, you will begin to people please in such a way that it'll hurt you and thwart your identity. Remember spiritual authority. It's rooted in your identity, but your identity, when it has a false foundation of a lie, you begin to try to please everybody thinking that it's going to work out for you. And that's where all this hurt and trauma begins to happen in your own personal life. I know that I have to be perfect because if I'm not perfect, if I'm not, you know, everything that they need, then, and I don't please them and they're not happy with me, then I know that they're going to hate me and they're going to reject me. It's people pleasing, but it's also a performance lie. You, you got to perform. You have to make sure that you're doing everything right. For some of us, that happened to us at a very young age when our parents were telling us that we needed to have the right grades or that they wanted us to have the right career or do the right things. And it was, it was a constant badgering that it created this performance inside of you where now it's like everything you do is like you got to perform. Can I tell you that's probably one of my biggest lies that I fell under and that I sometimes bite on, that I have to make sure that I got everything right and everything centered and God's not going to use me because I didn't read my Bible today. And there's no way that you can preach, Chino, because you only prayed for about five minutes right when you were on the way here because you were trying to get the kids out of the house and you were trying to get them dressed and God's not going to really use you today. It's going to be one of those days where God doesn't really use you. Never had one of those. But it's like, you know, this is a really bad day. And, and it's a performance lie where you have, to, you have to perform and you have to be perfect and everything has to be clean and, and crisp and I got to do all of these things and I got to make sure. Yo, can I tell you that, that Jesus was perfect? There was nothing flawed about him, and people still killed him. Number three, you're people-pleasing. It's a lie that you stand on, that the identity starts getting thwarted. You're people-pleasing. You're performing. You're trying to get everything right, trying to get all your grades right. You're trying to get every job, get the correct job. Get everything, everything's about performance with your job, with your boss. You're trying to be the best employee. I want him to see me so he can like me. I don't want to be rejected. I want to be laughed out. And then there's a third lie that we believe that a lot of us find ourselves under this faulty foundation. We're not rooted in our identity. We begin to get rooted in control. And we try to control everything around us. And we try to control who we're going to marry. We try to control what we're going to teach or what we're going to learn. And everything is just like in control. You're the person that when you go on a vacation, nobody wants to go on vacation with you, bro, because you have it all planned out. There's no time for spontaneity. Spontaneity. I hope that's a word. That's a word of it? That's a word. Like, you don't, there is none of that. It's like, yo, clean clut. This is what we're doing. We're going here, then we're going here. And then 505, 1500, we're going here and we're going there. And then, five, what? Like, bro, relax, man. You're so uptight. But it's, you have to control it because if it becomes out of control, then it means to you that you're an idiot, that you suck, that nobody likes you that you're so dumb. You see, you're exactly what your dad said that you were going to be. 
You, you, if you lose control, if something is not lined up the way that you want it to be lined up, then it begins, and it's an attack towards you. Where if somebody says, hey, I wasn't thinking, I, I really don't want to do this. Or, hey, what if we did this project this way at work? All of a sudden, it's a clear-cut, full-on, full-scale attack on you. It's like, Yo, what, what? Not only do, do we control sometimes just everything that happens, but we begin to control the outcomes. We manipulate people. I'm going to put this person here and I'm going to do this because this person could do this for me. And if I do this, then at the end of the day, I'm going to be happy. It's all about my, my self-care, and my self-love. And I'm, I'm going to bring this person in and persecution, hurt, pain are things that we experienced when we were younger, but we created so many mechanisms. Those are the very things that cause you to grow, by the way. Maybe I'll do an entire series on that, on leadership pain. I'll have nuns teach half of it. But in the midst of that pain, that's where you grow. It's intention. I've never worked out and, not, and felt amazing. Like you hurt, and it, it, but it makes you stronger. But what happens is when you put up these mechanisms and I'm not going to allow anything bad to happen. I'm controlling every single outcome. I got it all to a T. There's nothing that can happen bad. But what happens nine times out of 10, hit me with an amen in that chat if I'm, lying, if I'm not lying, is that nine times out of 10, your plans don't work and something does go awry and something does go wrong. And the moment that something goes wrong, you feel like you're to blame. You feel like you were the one that was insufficient. You feel like you're the one that, that your identity is rooted in something that was not meant to be rooted. Your identity is supposed to be rooted in Jesus. Because when your identity is rooted in Jesus, you become a spiritual authority. It begins to grow up inside of you. Now you're not worried about necessarily people pleasing. That doesn't mean that you hate people and you're like, I don't care about you. No, it just doesn't define you. The way that you perform doesn't define you. Controlling people or outcomes, it doesn't define you. But the world is always going to try to do these things where Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, be not conformed to the patterns of this world because this world will conform you. This world will have you picking a side, whether it's red, blue, crip, blood, Republican, Democratic, Kobe, Jordan, LeBron, Jordan, Kanye, or Drake. Sorry. It's just... This is the way that the world works, but, but it also says, be not conformed to the patterns of this world, but be renewed in your mind. How do you get renewed? How do you allow for this, these traumas and these things that have affected you for so long? And maybe you sit there and it feels heavy because you're like, Chino, like you're reading my cards and yo, I've been through that and I'm trying to, I'm sitting next to my spouse and I want to act like nothing because I've never shared these things with them or my friend or I'm watching and I just don't want to let anybody know that these are things that I deal with. How am I able to get out of these things? I think the scriptures have given us a very clear cut way on how to be able to do that. And I'm going to give you three quick ones before I let you go because I think they can help you. Number one is that you got to have some type of self-awareness. Like there needs to be something inside of you that you begin to think like, okay, what's, what's going on? Like when you act, you just don't act. Like there's something inside of you. Three quick things that you do with that. Number one is that you got to, three quick things, or three quick things, or three quick things, a bunch of threes today. But, but you got to begin to say to yourself, yo, what am I thinking? Like what are some of the thoughts that you, you're an idiot. It's going to happen again. They're going to leave you just like everybody else left you. Like, what are the things that run in through your mind that you're constantly thinking about or the lies that you begin to tell yourself? You know that you're going to ruin this the way that you ruin everything else. 
what, what happens when, you, when you're self-aware and you catch yourself, hold on, why am I saying that? That's a lie. I'm not going to ruin everything. I'm a child of God. I don't have to ruin everything because I am not rooted in what I'm going to ruin. I'm, ruining the, I'm rooted in the identity of who Jesus believes that I am. And you have to catch yourself with the things that you begin to think because you're up here. I've said this a million and one times. I might get a tattoo one day, but nobody has ever lied. Nobody has ever cheated. Nobody has ever hurt me the way that I've hurt myself. And if I'm thinking about myself, it's probably something that's not good. What are you thinking? But also you got to think like, yo, what are you feeling? Why did I just get angry when that person said that to me? Why did I feel that inside of me? Why am I so anxious about this confrontation or this conversation I need to have with a coworker or an employee or with my spouse? Why is it that I'm always booing up in anger? Why is it that I feel like I got I to gotta power up so that I can get my way? Why, is these, why am I feeling these things inside of you? Don't just act on these things. Don't just keep thinking on these things. Don't just keep feeling these things, but find yourself in a space where you begin to ask the question, why am I feeling like this? Why is this anger inside of me? Why is this resentment? Why is this bitterness? Because when you do those things, I'll show you in just a second, the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal to you why. There was a time where I had COVID, believe it or not. <laughs> um, this was a long time ago. I wasn't one of the individuals who had COVID during this time. I wish I could have took it for everybody. Let me just be sick and everybody be good. But well, I wasn't one of them. But I do remember, and I think I've shared this story one time. I was watching online. And when I was watching online, there, were, there was a cable that was off. The transitions weren't as tight as I wanted them to be. The lighting was off. And I just began to think to myself, man, nobody thinks about this the way that I think about this. Like, I'm, I'm so angry. Why is this happening? And I noticed, why am I getting angry? Like, there's something inside of me right now that I'm angry. Whoa, hold on. I've noticed to be self-aware. So what I did was that in that moment, I stepped back and I said, okay, why am I angry? Why am I feeling this right now? And in that moment, I figured out what I've learned because I've processed with the Lord that whenever I'm angry, it's really because I'm fearful. And the way that I cover my fear up is with anger. Maybe that's the way that you do it. I know it's the way that I do it. So I cover my fear with anger and I boo up. You ain't gonna, if you invite me at three o'clock to have a fight, some of y'all kids will never understand that. But at three o'clock, if you invite me to fight, we're gonna fight on that moment. Not because I'm a tough guy, but because I can't wait till three o'clock because I'm terrified. So the way that I boo up is because I'm covering my fear. So in that moment, I said, okay, I'm angry because I'm fearful. And I said, God, reveal to me why. Why is it that I'm fearful? And it was in that moment that the Lord just flooded me with his peace, but he also showed me, you're believing a lie and the enemy is telling you that because there's a cable off, because the, the camera angle isn't right, because the, the lighting is off, you believe that nobody's going to go to that church again. I'm never coming back to this church. Look at the cable on the ground. Did you see the lighting? Like, yo, that's the stupidest thing that you can ever think. But they are, they are lies that the enemy tries to feed you because he wants you to perform and he wants you to control things and he wants you to people please everybody. When in reality, these are lies and faulty foundations. But it wasn't until I understood, yo, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling this? I got self-aware and then I started catching it and God started bringing healing to those areas where I don't struggle with a lot of those things because I'm bringing them before God and I'm not trying to cover them up. Because we do that, right? It's just like one little area. God doesn't see this. This is, this is one thing, God, you don't see this. Don't look at this. I don't want to even repent because if I don't repent, then you won't know. What? That like God is light and in him there is no darkness. Yo, God sees every area and he's literally just waiting for you to open it up. The moment that you share it with him, he'll heal you from it. But if you hide it, you'll conceal it. It'll continue to kill you. So number one, you got to make sure you're thinking, yo, what am I thinking? Why am I thinking like this? Why am I feeling like this? But then I think one of us, some of us, we, we have to think, yo, how, why am I acting like this? Why did I just punch that wall? 
Why did I just scream at this person? Why did I just quit this job? Why did I just hang? It's over and hung up. Y'all remember when you had the razor, you used to flip that junk. Crack. It's over. Crack. And you flip it. And you just close the phone. Crack. With the flip phone. It was the way you did it. You can't do that now. It's like hanging up. Like, you got to hit them with it. You don't ever know about that. I'm sorry. But you, 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 why am I acting like that? Why am I getting so angry? And why am I bowing up and like, like, yo, why are you? You got to begin to think to yourself, yo, what's inside of me? Why am I? Why did I just roll my eyes that way at that person? Catch yourself. Yo, that doesn't mean that you're going to hell, bro. If you have those moments, I believe that God wants to heal you. He wants to shift your identity because you're not that person. Yeah, just who I am. No, no, that's not who you are. That's not who you need to be. God actually wants to root you in his identity. He wants to show you who you truly are. Because when you understand, yo, you are a child of God, it begins to change the way you think, the way you feel, and the way that you act. Because now you open up the refrigerator, understanding that you have access, not that you're an outsider, a person who's a stranger. Well, I have to make sure that I behave. And maybe I need to pay a little bit of these groceries. And if I pay a little bit of these groceries, then I can get back in here. Then I can be good. When in reality, they belong to you. You don't read your Bible. You don't pray. You don't worship. You don't come to church for God's love. You do these things from God's love. I read the word because I want to learn from him and I want him to speak to me. I worship him because he's been so good. I should have been dead. My children should have been dead. I shouldn't have had the blessings and the miracles and the things that I have over my life. So I worship him to say thank you for all that you are. I pray because I want to have an intimate relationship with him because he loves me so much. I want to understand his love and I want to love on him. Those are the reasons why I do these things, not to receive God's love because if you begin to do that, then you're falling into a performance lie and the enemy will have you in that false identity. That false identity would always hurt you. Number one, how do you shift and how do you renew your mind? How do you find yourself and position yourself rooted in identity? Number one, you got to be self-aware. But number two, you got to wash yourself in the word of God. Watch this. It's in John chapter 8, verses 31 through 32. I saw something here. And man, one of the, I remember I went to this cabin and I spoke about this a hundred years ago. Uh, Rob Reimer, who has become one of my friends, a mentor in my life. Absolutely love him. If you're watching Rob, I love you so much. Um, give you a shout out. Um, but he, he, I remember that in his book, he detailed something that blew my mind and God started to reveal a bunch of stuff to me. We've always said this thing as a people of God, I guess, Christians, even people outside in the world. Like, I don't care who you are. You've always said, and the truth shall set you free. You'll know the truth and the truth shall set you free. We've always said that. And you know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Do you know that that scripture is actually quoted out of context? And it's quoted out of context because Satan, I think, wants to, number one, keep you in that identity where you become people-pleasing, performing, and you're trying to control everything. But did you know that, that that's not the context? You will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. That's not what the scripture says. Watch this. John chapter 8, verses 31 through 32. It says, to the Jews who have believed in him, Jesus said, Jesus said, Jesus said. Every time I say Jesus, this thing crack. It's a demon. We rebuke you. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the truth setting you free is dependent on you holding on to my teachings. I'm going to read this again. Jesus said, if, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's only in holding on to Jesus's teachings that you find the truth and the truth will begin to set you free. The truth are the teachings of Jesus. What are some of the things that Jesus is teaching? 
What are some of the things in the word of God that you need to mine out and you need to apply them to your life? I, I've, I've told you I've had the performance lie. Like I, I deal with that. That's something that I have to, I have to struggle with and I've, I've gotten a hold of it. I've done a way better job than I've ever done. But there's still this thing where Satan tries to attack me and say, well, you didn't read your word enough or you didn't pray enough or you should have talked to that person. I gave you a word of wisdom or word of knowledge. You should have told them. And now since you didn't, you're not going to get the next one. And it's always this back and forth in my mind that I've learned to battle. Why have I learned to battle? Because the performance lie, number one, it is a lie. There is no performance. Like you don't have to be the best thing in the world for God to love you know he loves you where you are Romans chapter 5 verse 8 I read this verse every single day but God demonstrated his own love towards us in that we were yet sinners in while we were still sinners Christ died for us yo think about this for a second you're, you're trying to operate in a performance lie Chino, watch this at a later time I'm talking to you buddy I'm talking to you guys who are watching online right now as well who deal with some of these things you're trying to perform and you're trying to get it everything right and you're trying to make sure that everything is right and you're doing and you're checking off all the boxes and you're doing all of these things because then God will use you. Then God will love you. Then God will show you. Then God will reveal to you. Then God will do all of these things. When in reality, all these things, the Bible says is our eternity has been stored up in your heart. That God, the spirit, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 says that you are the temple of the, of the living God, that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, right? So all of these things are inside of you, but you begin to think, if I don't perform, if I don't check off the boxes, if I don't do all of these things i'm not fit to have his love i'm not fit to have any of these things when in the bible it says in romans chapter 5 verse 8 that while you were at your worst god gave you his best i mean super different sides of the spectrum you were at your worst you were a sinner sinner means that you're far from god that you're dead to your sins at that moment the bible says in isaiah 69 i believe it is that you the sin is like a stench to god's nostrils he can't even smell sin so while we were still sinners Christ demonstrated his love toward us that he sent his only begotten son that he died for you while you were still a sinner. You didn't deserve it. You didn't read. You didn't pray. You didn't go to church. You didn't tithe. You didn't come up to the front of an altar. You didn't do any of these things and yet he lavished his love on you. That will break the performance lie over your life every single time when you understand that he who knew no sin became sin so that I may become the righteousness of God that in our worst moment God applies his beautiful love, his grace, his immense love for us and he changes and replaces that performance lie but you gotta be washed in the word there are moments where anxiety will rise up inside of you and depression and you're i don't know what i'm gonna do how am i gonna where am i gonna what am i gonna do and yo there's there's a word for you it's philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and 7 i always quote it because it's one of my favorite be anxious for nothing there's nothing saying there's no performance like people pleasing like there's no control there's no fake identity there's nothing be anxious for nothing but in everything bring your request to god it's then that the peace of God that surpasses your understanding. How am I feeling like this when this has happened? Why am I thinking like this when this has happened? I should be thinking a different way. I should be putting up my guard. I should be trying to control the situation. I should be trying to perform my way out of this. I should be pleasing people to like me. But it's the peace of God that surpasses your understanding and it begins to guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. You got to wash yourself in the word. Number one, you got to be aware Number two, you, you got to wash yourself in the word. And number three, you need the revelation of the Holy Spirit. How, how do we renew our mind? How do we change the fake foundation that the enemy has put us in? And how do we find ourselves 
rock solid position, but rooted in our identity. For us to be rooted in our identity, we are children of the most high God. We got access to a relationship. We have access to the refrigerator. We can eat of the resources that God has given us. The way that we do that, number one, you have to be aware. Look at yourself. What are some of the lies? You, you have to begin to talk about those things. Wash yourself in the word. Begin to take some scriptures to combat against what the enemy has done. And then you need the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Last threes that I'm going to talk about. Last threes. These are the last ones, I promise you. Number one, the spirit will always illuminate scripture concerning your identity. Like the, the scriptures will always show you who you are. It's your choice to believe it or not, but the scriptures are always going to show you that. Watch this. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. For as, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, it's a... <laughs> It's, it's a borderline disrespectful term. Abba is the man that would clean your poop. Abba is the man that loved you as a child, that would actually, that you peed on him, that he bathed you, that he got dirty with you. Like when, when people, the Jews, especially when they thought about God, they couldn't call him Abba because it was a, my hands had to be cleaned. I had all these religious rites that I had to do before I ever get to. There's so much performance and people pleasing and controlling. For me to even approach God, he is Yahweh. They wouldn't even spell his name. They had to indent to, uh, or, or they had to make it smaller like they couldn't even say his name but yet Paul is saying that the spirit that's inside of us redemption of adoption it calls him Abba this intimate it's daddy the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God this is where it gets meaty if if children then heirs Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that's why I told you suffering pain, it's vital that we also may be glorified together. For some of us, we've given our life to Jesus and we've lost friends, jobs. There are things inside of us that we could have stepped over the line, but because we love Jesus, we didn't do that. And we've suffered. For other of us, man, friends of us that are in Afghanistan right now, that are in China, that are in communist countries right now, and they're trying to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, who are in constant suffering and bondage and pain, wherever side of the spectrum is, I think that we've shared in certain aspects of it. But I don't want to draw near and I don't want to put a highlight on that. What I want to show you is that the Bible calls you a child and if you're a child of God then you're an heir that means that everything that belongs to Jesus it is in Ephesians that you read that over 30 times it says that we are in Christ and then it's over six seven times it says that we are seated with him in heavenly places that the very things that Jesus possesses and the things that Jesus has given to us that Jesus that God has given to the son that he's given to us because we're in the son isn't it beautiful to see that we're children we're heirs like there's the kingdom belongs to us. And, and for some of us, we're like, yeah, that sounds good, Chino, but that's not the way it works. What are you talking about? Yo, that's what the scripture is saying. We're heirs. You have a legal right. Demonic influence does not have a legal right in you. Health issues, cancer, sickness does not have a legal authority to touch you. We are heirs. If you understand this, then it will put you in the right identity. Then you will understand who you are. But we believe these lies. And even as you read these, you're like, yeah, that's for the Christians. You're a freaking Christian. 
You called on the name of Jesus that belongs to you. You are a child of God. It is the spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit that begins to reveal to you as you open up the scriptures. That's why reading the Bible is so important. It's not just a book that we read so that we read five chapters and we're good with God. This is the scriptures where God will reveal things to you and you're just like, yo, I'm a child. I'm an heir. I can take an entire year trying to unpack it and I will fail to explain to you what it means you being an heir to the kingdom of God. It's incredible that as I think about this, some of you are still thinking in your heart, that's not me. It is you. If you've called on the name of Jesus Christ, that is you. You are an heir. I don't want to belabor the point, but number one, the scripture or the spirit illuminates you, right? You need a revelation from the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit it illuminates the scriptures concerning your identity, but it also gives you direct revelation about our identity. It is the spirit of God that will speak to you. Sometimes it's in the whispers that God will begin to show you, I love you. I, I love you, son. I love you. And sometimes you've heard that so much from God that you begin to think that's not a word from God. That's just... That's just things people say. I say that to my kid all the time. That's why he says it to you. Because you are his kid. And sometimes he will, he will whisper these things to you. I, I think it's important and vital for you to take five minutes out of every single day and just chill. Just turn off their phone. Just relax for a minute. You don't even have to pray. Just take some time and let just God speak to you. That's why devotional time, especially at least with me early in the morning before my mind starts racing, that's why it's so important to just spend that time with God because not only does he want you to learn about him, but he wants to speak to you. He wants to confirm. The Bible says that it's the Holy Spirit that will directly reveal who you are and who he is in you. I, I take rhythms daily to try to spend time with God weekly. I spend a, there's, a, there's a Sabbath day that I spend with the Lord. And once a year, me and my wife, we try to take about three days where we disappear. We go to this cabin and sometimes God will give me the vision for the year. Or sometimes it's just there. Sometimes he just wants to love on me. Sometimes he reveals things to me. But I take that rhythm because I need to factor it in, especially where I'm at. What you know, I'm not a pastor. You need it where you're at. Your mom. You're a dad, you're a husband, you're single, you want a boyfriend, you want a girlfriend, you have a career, you're in college, you need to have God's guidance, you need him to reveal to you who you are so that you can walk in that spiritual authority. Number one, he reveals to you, he illuminates the scriptures and he shows you and then there are times that he gives you direct revelations and then I think there's this out flooding, I think it's like a, it's the best I can say it is like when God just, he opens up a fire hose and it just pours into you. It's in Romans chapter five, verse five, it says God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us there are moments in my own personal life where I've felt and I've shared stories of when I was at the camp and I stepped in the pool with all the fish and all that stuff and then I went to worship and in the middle of worship God just wrecked me I stink I stunk but he gave me a call in that moment he showed me who I was there was this flood inside of me where I just felt God a lot of times that happens to me during worship there are times that's why I was so glad you know and i respect authority cdc abc nwocp opp all of that i respect all of that stuff but there there are times that i just miss having people around because there has times that i've walked into a church 
And it happened during this season of the pandemic. It's happened before where I've got so many things running through my mind. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, yo, there's so much stuff that I got to do. I need to, I, I got to, oh my God. And there's so many things that I'm thinking about that I can't even worship. And there's been times that I've just had my hands and I'm just like, man, I just, I'll just sit there. And I've looked over to my left or to my right. And I've seen somebody with tears streaming down their eyes. And with their hands raised. And in that moment when I've seen them, God will reveal to me his compassion. And he will show me how much he loves that person. And in that moment, God will begin to pour into me. And it's like, a, like I, the only way I can say it is you get hot boiling water and just pour it. And I feel it all over. And it's just like, and I begin to break. And it's just like the, the love of God is being poured into my spirit where I'm just like, Dag, you love me that much. I'm watching a physical representation of how much you love me. I even felt what they felt, but it's genuinely for me. And it's those moments. That's why worship is so vital. It's not that we get to church because they sing a couple of songs and it's just to get everybody pumped up and it's the primer. I believe that there are miracles. We've seen it in this house. There are miracles that happen during worship. There are things that chains are breaking. There's deliverance that has happened. There are things that God does in the midst of worship that you will miss it out if you relegate it to just being a moment at the beginning of of the word or before the word or this is just church we sing our signs what a mighty god we serve oh praise the lord hallelujah yo there's so much more to this we enter into his courts with thanksgiving for some of us we've had chains that have been binding us for so long and you got to snatch these things off the children of israel they would go to war they would go to war and when they went to war they weren't singing um what a beautiful name it is i like that what a beautiful name. They weren't singing that. They were singing praises unto God. They were loud. They had trumpet. Da -da 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 -da. I don't even know if that was a thing, but they were just, I mean, just going for it because that's what breaks the devil's back over your life because joy becomes strength. And then when strength is held by you, then you're able to fight against the enemy and against his plans. I'm all telling, I'm telling you all this because worship is vital. This is where God begins to flood you. You, you begin to feel it. You begin to sense this thing inside of you that is just like, and God starts showing you, I love you. You're my son. You're my daughter. Yeah, but God, I did, shh. I don't know. I forgot about that. I don't know why you keep bringing it up. I don't even remember what you're talking about. As far as the east is from the west, so far have I separated your sins. Like, I, I remember those things no more. There's a sea of forgetfulness, the Bible says, that I have thrown every one of your iniquities. Like, let me, let me just love you. But sometimes if we're in this people-pleasing or we're lies and we get conformed by the world and we're identity and you can't love me because dad left me or dad hurt me or she did that or he did that. And eventually I know that you're going to do that. And you box yourself up and you put these walls and what God is trying to do is that he's trying to break those walls down. And he does it through his scripture. He does it through direct revelation where he begins to show you things. And he speaks and he whispers. And then he he takes, the, he takes the safety off. He takes the cap off and it's just a full flood. And in those moments, you begin to be loved by God. And it begins to strip you away of who you think you are. And you become as a child. And it's God showing you, I love you. Your minds. Father's Day of, of last, I think it was this year. Father's Day of this year, I went with, with the kids and we went, to, uh, we went to go eat. And I'm a seafood guy. I love crabs. If you feel like you're going through problems and you need a counselor, I will counsel you. Just take me to eat seafood. I'll give you the best advice. I'll, I'll break the whole scriptures down for you. Just crabs, 
seafood, fish, anything. Just hallelujah, glory to God. Just want to throw that out there. I'm kidding, but I'm not. Seafood is my love language. And my wife knows that if I get, we have these conversations in our date night. If you get stranded on an abandoned island, what do you eat? I eat crabs all day long. She's like, baby, you're not going to have like the stuff that I make it with. I'm like, you're right, but it doesn't matter. I'll break it and eat it anyway. I love crabs. I go to eat seafood. I don't know why I said all that, but I go to eat seafood. And I'm sitting there and I'm with the kids and I watched as my kids, they're like looking at the menu. And I don't know if you remember this, Lid. they were looking at the menu and they were like, well, we're not going to order this because it's too expensive. Maybe me and Levi, we could share this. And they were trying to figure out like how to like spend less money. They ain't never done that a day in their life. They ain't never done that. But on this particular day, because it was Father's Day, they were like, oh, we want to honor you. We don't want to spend so much money. We don't want to do all this stuff. And I remember that I just sat there and I wasn't even paying the bill because my wife was taking care of me. I was like, get whatever you want. That got you. Like, stop worrying about the bill. And I remember in that moment, because I remember I sat there and I wrote it down on my phone because God showed me something so crazy in that moment that we pull up to the table so many times and we're just like, I got so much debt. I hurt you so much, God. I hurt him. I hurt her. I lied. I did these things. I have so much things that I've, that I've done. I, I've, I'm 45 years old right now and I feel like I haven't even accomplished half of the things that you told me to do. I'm still in college and I feel like I wasted my last year. I feel like I've lost three, four years of my life. I just feel like I've been in this constant circle, just a whirlwind. And, and we sit at the table sometimes with God and we're just like, yeah, I can't, you know, let me just get a cup of water because that's what I could afford. And God, I messed up so many relationships that I don't care who you give me. He can have two teeth and one eye. I'll be grateful. I don't care what kind of job you give me. I'll, I'll mop toilets. We put all these conditions on God and we bring all this debt to the table and God is just like, yo, like, stop. I have enough. It's on me. I got you. And we sit back and we're blowed. I, me and my wife just experienced this the last couple of days. We're like, just give us something. And God just pours, I mean, I can't even explain how big of a blessing and a miracle over our life that we're just like, that like Lord let me explain to you who I am let me tell you the things that I've done and he's just like just shut up let me be your father open the refrigerator come eat this belongs to you you're an heir ah Chino yeah but no listen yeah but yeah you're an, you're an heir you're a child of God it belongs to you you have access to it as I develop this message I hear so much of what what my life looked like I think as a believer the lies and the things that I've had to break down in my life and the tools that God has given me to be able to mine these things out I'm trying to give them to you so that you become self-aware so that you allow for the spirit to reveal things inside of you but there was a time even in my own personal life where I didn't know what I was feeling there was no word of God for me to be able to walk. There was no spirit revelation. I was just walking through life trying to figure it out. And because of the trauma and the pain and the things that have happened to me in my own personal life, I had these bravados. I had these walls. I had this fake strength. I was rooted in a false identity. And it wasn't until I came to know Jesus. It wasn't until I found myself broken and hurting in a jail cell 
19 years old, facing more time than I'd be able to live out, that it was in that moment that I was able to look at my identity and say, yo, what have I become? You know what's the beauty of that? It's Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that while I was still a sinner, Christ had already died for me. He had already shed his blood for me. He had already taken the steps to create a payment so that I didn't have to come with my debt to the table. He already brought the payment through his son, Jesus Christ. Maybe you're watching now and maybe you're far from God or maybe you find yourself in a space where like you don't even know what this whole thing is about. Maybe you knew God for a while and you've kind of fall, fell off. I want to let you know that there is salvation, that there is freedom, that God still can rescue you. That he can exchange your debt and bring his righteousness the bible says in romans chapter 10 verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth that jesus is lord and if you believe in your heart that god raised them from the dead then you shall be saved thanks for listening to our podcast today the mission of greater church is to reach and empower all people we hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media platforms at mygreater.church.